Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. My guest today is someone who just wrapped up their Kickstarter campaign, had tremendous success, raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for their second project, and I thought I'd have them on the show to talk a little bit about their success and what they did to lead up to that, because that's one of the crucial things necessary for your Kickstarter campaign to do well is the work that you put into it before you launch the campaign. And My guest today is James Hudson from Druid City Games. James, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Well, this is fun. Tell the, our listeners, your pro, you have two Kickstarter projects that you have successfully done. One of them just ended uh, a few days ago. Tell us a little bit about that project. Sure. It's the Grim Forest, and uh, the designer was Tim Eisner, who did March of the Ant. So I met Tim at Gen Con last year and uh, played his prototype, loved it. It was a very, uh, if you've seen Saving Mr. Banks, it was a very Saving Mr. Banks situation where he was P.L. Travers and I was Walt Disney chasing him down, begging him to let me publish the game. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, after I initially uh, introduced the idea, he was like, who are you again? Why, why would I let you publish my game? And, uh, you know, because my but first a- game, Barnyard Roundup. Right. No, no. Hang on. Let's come back to that because that's a great question because you had one game under your belt as a publisher, right? That's right. One Kickstarter campaign under your belt. And so how did you convince someone to take their prototype and trust you and go with you? How did you, how did you do that? I'm very convincing. <laughs> uh, but the other part, it, it was very, that's why I mentioned the Save Mr. Banks. I mean, I did harass him for a couple of months, and, and, and it was obviously very uh, um, positive harassment, but it was one of those things where I had a clear vision of what this game could be, and, and I just needed him to see my passion for that. The other part, I think, is, you know, uh, while in the grand scheme of going to a big publisher sounds good, your project is going to be put on a shelf for to, and put in the process line for two to three years, maybe. And so, whereas I said, "Hey Tim, I will. This will be the next game that we we make. Uh, we're looking at, you know, middle of next year, and we moved it up to March. And so, you know, I think it was very appealing to think, hey, this is a game that this is someone who will take and run with it right now.' Interesting. What was it that you saw? So this is a good question. So you're not a traditional publisher, although you're going to obviously rapidly becoming one now that you've had two successful Kickstarter campaigns and a game that's already out. What is it as a publisher that you saw in his prototype that said? I absolutely have to have this. I see this vision. This vision that you talk about is interesting. What was that that you saw, and what made it compelling? Sure. So on my end, I, my, my background is in marketing. And so, so the first thing that I look for in a game is not always is it the most fun game, but is it marketable? Do you have a story that you can tell in this game? Uh, you know, there's so many tropes that are out there as far as high fantasy and farming and things that we've seen over and over and over. And so this was a very fresh theme. Uh, there are some games that have fairy tale, but it's not been overdone. And then it just so happened that the gameplay was a lot of fun and it was very interactive and it really meshed well with what Barnyard Roundup was before highly interactive uh, type of interaction between players. And so that's what this game also had. So the two things really kind of melted into one, which made for me a perfect uh, game to follow up to Barnyard Roundup. Okay, so you had you saw the vision. You chased the guy down. Now I have to say, I saw Saving um, Mr. Banks, and it was a rather depressing, dark movie. So I'm not sure that's a great example to use. 
as, as what happened with there. Uh, watched it with my daughter, and suddenly I realized that my young daughter should not be watching this movie, um, even though it was a Disney focused, yeah. right? But you, there are some. Yep. So you took this project, so you convinced him, and I'm going to guess that passion had a lot to do with it because that's certainly coming across on the call already. But there was a passion there. You were committed. You were confident you could do this. So what? And you talk about that marketing background. So our listeners are saying, okay. I've got a project. I'm passionate about it. I want to go out and raise more than $400,000 from my Kickstarter campaign. Is that all it takes is a little bit of passion and some playability and off it goes and it's successful? And I, and I know the answer is no. And that's why you're going to fill in the <laughs> no and you're going to tell us why. No, it, it, there's obviously a, a lot of different factors that have to really line up. And sometimes it, it is lightning in a bottle. You do have to have a little bit of luck. What's the old Yogi Bear saying, or at least it's accredited to him? The harder I work, the luckier I get. Sure. I, mean, I definitely take that. Is, is You have to put in – I've been building an audience for two years as far as online, and, and it has to come across genuine. You know, you can't go out and manipulate people. You can't be a car salesman. You, If people can see through that, and so – you know, I have a group online. Uh, it's the Board Game Spotlight where we do reviews, and we talk about board games, and we chat online. There's about 4,000 people in that in a, in a, on a Facebook group. And I, I do giveaways, and, I, you know, I just genuinely love board games. And so I think that comes out and comes across in everything that I do, which I think spills over into, the, like you were saying, the passion to help bring, draw people in. Okay, let's talk about that, that, that building the audience. Uh, obviously, on my show, we are now six years into this, uh, the podcast, and this is a theme that has com- come across time and time again, that I tell people, you don't have a funding problem, you have a crowd problem. Money can be found, okay. borrowed, stolen, but as far as the crowd goes, it has to be genuine and authentic, and you have to organically build it yourself. So you said for two years, you've been building an audience, but with one game and then a second game, how, what, what specifically have you been doing? You talked about a few of these groups and things, but okay, I'm, I'm listening. I want to spend two years. Well, I know my listeners don't want to spend two years, but okay. If I believe you (laughs) and I commit to two years, what am I doing for those two years to build that audience? If I don't have a product to put into the marketplace? Sure. I think one of the, the biggest things that I see, especially being in on the heavy on the Facebook and the, in the social media and the, um, you know, the Kickstarter side of things, is I, I see people that are so inconsistent. They'll flash in, you know, they'll be around for two months before a campaign goes live, and they're like, hey, look, I got this thing, or hey, I want to do some stuff. But they're not consistent all the way through. And so there has to be something that you, some sort of service, if there's something that you can provide to the community. So in my case, I knew that I could review games quickly and do it in a different format than other people are doing. So I have my, take my cell phone, and I have a gimbal uh, that's a like a st- stabilizer, and I, I zoom in and I try to do a game explanation in five to seven minutes because there's so many games coming out. People need and want a quick, hey, is this game even something I'm kind of interested in before they go find Richard Hand's Rado video and go for 30 minutes into a gameplay, you know. So I've, I've been providing that service for quite some time. And so you there's a lot of other services that can be provided. You just have to find something that kind of aligns with with who you are and, and your talents. Uh, other than that, I would just say you need to be active in all these different communities that you can that you can possibly be in and be consistent. Uh, you can't just pop up for a few months and then fade away. Okay, so be consistent. I call it giving into the community. Pay into the community with time, talent, 
insights, learning, sharing, helping, so that when the time comes for you to ask the community to give back, the first time they encounter you is not that you're asking them for money, but instead they, they know you. So that's what you've done. Absolutely. Built that up. Okay. And so then, so we've got the community. We've got two years of input. Uh, yep. I can understand that, right? The, the podcast certainly is something that I've been doing for the last six years, giving uh, to the community, helping uh, people learn how to do this. And then that buys you some exposure. It buys you by being the term that you've, you've kind of paid for it with attention and effort. And now you yep. get, ready, get ready to do your game or your project, and you ask the audience to participate. But what happens if they – I mean, what happens if they don't respond? What, what are some key ways then to make sure that they, you get their attention when it comes time to launch? That is the, the million-dollar question, right, Richard? I mean, that's the thing. And for me, everything that I know is it, it starts with your creative. And when I say creative, I mean – what are the assets, the images, the things that you're doing? What are you putting out to the market, and are they responding? So, for example, with Grim Forest, we put out seven or eight or so different images that I sponsored through different social media, different Google AdWords, and I measured all of that engagement that I got from those images. And there was one piece of creative that shined head and shoulders above everything else that was being shared, that was being commented on, liked, loved, all that sort of thing. And it was our components uh, image that we had built for the game that went on. Uh, you can see it's one of the first images that you see uh, on it, the Kickstarter page. Right, it's the box, and then around the box you have the cards, the tokens, the uh, figures in the back, that type of thing. That's the one you're referring to, right? That's right, that's right. So that image was shared out everywhere. I didn't, it, it went viral. I didn't have to mess with it a lot. It was by far more engaged than anything else. And so from there, I took that piece of creative and I really pushed it. I really put it out there. Um, another thing that we did is we reached out to Man vs. Meeple and we had uh, we contracted them to do a first look video for us because you know one of the other things that you can do is if you don't have an audience, you go pay to be in front of someone else's audience that already has an engaged audience. And Man vs. Meeple does a fantastic job of high quality. Uh, assets and so they built us a video that gave a, did a kind of a teaser and at that moment we were probably about six to eight weeks in front of the, um, the the launch of the campaign and so think of it like a movie trailer like any other movie does like you're building hype for the thing that's coming down the road okay the challenge here james is that people who are listening are saying look there's a reason i'm on kickstarter i don't have any money right and and so sure. But what you're saying is, look, the days of putting it on a napkin, throwing it up there are over. You have to – what was the adage that we said right beforehand? Uh, it takes money to make money. It takes money to make money. And so now what you're saying is that – you've said a couple of things here that I want to kind of touch on, um, and we, we have sure. to do, do, time to do that. Invest in the artwork, right? Yes, absolutely. I always said that your artwork should be professional and your videos can be personal that you actually can get away with a little bit of jittery, the phone, like you said, taking your phone, doing it, do something sure. quick, quick and easy because they want to see that personality. But you really do in today's day and age have to invest in that artwork. Where do you go to find good artwork? Again, another million dollar question because uh, all of the really talented artists are typically tied up for months and months and months out. Um, my art team, actually, Mr. Cuttington, I need the, I want to get back onto their schedule and they're booked all the way through 2017. So, you know, that, that is hard. You just got to really pound the pavement. Uh, you've got to go hit 
all of the art websites and just send out, I mean, I probably send out 10 to 12 uh, inquiries a week to artists who have artwork that I'm very interested in. And what's crazy is I get so few even responses, much less uh, responses that could be useful. So that, that the biggest part is just you just gotta you gotta really hammer the pavement and try to uh, dig some of those contacts and those relationships up. Okay, and then the other one that you mentioned was this concept of AdWords, and the, when I'm gonna guess that you did a little bit of A/B testing, right? Put this oh, yeah. up, put this up, put that up. Now for our audience listening, because you and I both are a background in marketing, help explain mm-hmm. what it is specifically that you're talking about. Because it's one thing just to throw an ad up on AdWords, but that's not what quite what you were doing. No, so like your, your A-B testing, that's going to be where you take uh, two pieces of creative, two creative assets that you have, and display them to the same audience. So it's almost like a scientific test. Like, what am I, who, how are they responding? I'll be honest, like, I, there was one piece of creative that I was really psyched about because in the game, uh, we have houses that you build. And so it's, it, it, again, it's on the Kickstarter page. You'll be able to see it when you scroll through if you see. Uh, the houses are it's showing that you actually build the houses very Santorini style. And the pig, there's a pig graphic in the background. And so I thought that was going to be the most highly engaged piece. It was my favorite piece. But it doesn't matter what your favorite thing is. It's what the market responds to. And that's one of the things that I have the hardest time uh, conveying to other creators is it doesn't matter what you think's the best. It's what the market's willing to engage in. And so you have to respond to that. And so that's what A-B testing does. It allows you to take two pieces, three pieces, four pieces of creative, present it to the exact same audience so that you have baselines that you can base, hey, this is an A and this is a C, and I need to push the A as far as I can. Okay, so let's, uh, let's delve a little bit deeper into that because we're making some assumptions that the audience might not be aware of. And that is when you say take the pieces of the creative and take two different pieces and, and present them to the audience, okay, two questions. One, sure. how do you present to the audience? And two, how do you track their reaction to the audience, to the, to the creative? So I can understand throwing it out there, but where do I throw it out there? And then how do I tell how people responded? So I think the easiest one that most everyone should at least be engaging in somewhat would be Facebook. Uh, Facebook does the best job as far as uh, making it very generic to get started. You can go in on the back end into your business manager. If you don't have business manager for Facebook, you can go set that up. It's not, it's not very difficult. So you set that up for your you know, abcboardgamecompany.com. You're going in and you make a post. Let's say you take one of your images that you've built for your future project you upload that to your page it says would you like to boost the post you say yes i would i'd like to boost that for 100 dollars. you go in and when you set that up you set the parameters of who you want to present that to so you want to present that to people who have an interest in board gaming obviously and then you want to present it to certain countries and certain age ranges that you know that where people can buy your game uh, or if it's like my game that was very english dependent i set those up for only english speaking companies for the most or uh countries for the most part, and then you present there. And so you can also take a different image, which would be another piece of creative, and do the same thing. Put the post up, boost it, do the exact same parameters, and present them. And then on the back end, you'll be able to see how much engagement. And engagement is how many times was it liked, how many comments was put on there, how many times did people share it without you asking to. You know, there's so many giveaways and things like that that are out there right now. The market's kind of flooded with that sort of thing. So Authentic engagement. How much did you get from that? Were people commenting and sharing and liking? 
And I think that's going to be the easiest way for most people to dip their toe into the, the A-B testing because when you get into Google AdWords, you probably need to hire somebody for that. It, it, it's way more complicated and you can waste a lot of money there. Got it. So that's a great way. It's just a, uh, through Facebook and tracking those likes. It, you know, you can, you can even do it through Twitter. You can do it without yep. even setting up the money, right? If you, if you don't really have the money, you could just post it out there and put up two and then just see what kind of engagement. Likes, Absolutely. clicks, shares, engagement, comments, all of those different types of things. Okay. That's right. That's right. Oh, and one of the things you mentioned earlier that I think we need to kind of couple back on, and we started to dip into it, is, you know, you're right that there's the days of throwing everything up on a napkin and putting it up there are gone. Now we can all, we can all be altruistic and we can say that's what Kickstarter is really for. Uh, you can try to swim upstream as hard as you like, but the water is flowing really hard in the other direction at this point in the market. And it just is what it is. And so I found that out with barnyard that you, you really just can't barely limp by. Not that we did, we tried to, but it made, it made it really relevant to me that if you don't speak to the heart of the market, then you're going to have a hard time being successful. Uh, there, Obviously, there's a few outliers like Kingdom Death Monster and some of those people who really went against the grain and were successful. But you can't really use those as your baseline. Got it. I think that's a, a great a great thing. As we wrap up, that's a great way to, to end. We only have a couple of minutes. Top three things okay. as you're getting ready to do your Kickstarter, we've kind of touched on. Let's recap. What are the, what are the three things that you really need to focus on? So building an audience, so finding some way, some service, something that you can provide to the community, some way to pay into the community and being consistent with it that allows you to uh, manufacture farm karma, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, two is line up professional artists. Uh, make sure that your creative is spot on. If it's not, if, it, if you're doing it yourself, Maybe you're not subjective enough to know if what you're presenting to the market is going to be something they like. You need to go blind play test. You need to go take those images and don't set expectations on people. Don't say, isn't this the best piece of art you've ever seen? No, put it down in front of people and say, what do you think? And then be open to some harsh criticism. And, you know, you're going to have to probably eat your shirt sometimes and keep your mouth shut and walk away. But everything is good feedback, even when it's really, really bad. And Three, you know, I would say the biggest thing you need to do is you've got to spend some money on pre-marketing. So if you need to go open up a credit card, go get a loan, ask your rich uncle to let you borrow some money. I mean, you've, you've just got to. It, you can't come to the thing with a few hundred dollars in your pocket and hope that you're going to make it. It's going to be really tough. I would say those are the, the biggest three. That's the big three. I think those are very useful, and it's certainly – a. a t- taps into what we're, we've been hearing and seeing with the evolution of Kickstarter. This has been great. Uh, James, thank you very much for taking a few minutes. Absolutely. Anytime. How can people find and track and, and kind of see what you're doing and, and what's more going on in your life? Sure. The easiest way is going to be go to druidcitygames.com. From there, you can tap into all the social media, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagrams, all that sort of thing. I'm really active in our uh, group, Board Game Spotlight, that is uh, on Facebook. And so if you want to come join in there and talk board games and stuff there, that's a great place. Okay. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been... James, I forgot your last name. Hang on. I got it now. I got it now. I'm going to have to edit this. I usually don't edit, but all of a sudden I realized I blanked. Hang on. I'm going to to reset that. 
You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been James Hudson from Druid City Games. We've been talking about the key things that you need to do to be successful with your Kickstarter campaign. It's been great information. I felt inspired and obviously uh, much more aware of what needs to happen in order to have a Kickstarter campaign be successful. Thanks for listening. Take care.